Hello, this is Neil Ruda. Welcome to Unsung Missionary Heroes, interviews with heroes of the faith. This podcast is brought to you by the nine international ministries of Assemblies of God World Missions. These ministries are Builders International, Compassion Link, Global Initiative, Global University, Jacob's Hope, Life Publishers, Network 21-1, Oral Learners Initiative, and Royal Rangers International. For more information, visit im-agwm.org. Now let's join our podcast. Today we're talking with missionaries Paul and Carol Weingartner, and we're going to talk about some of their experiences during their missions career. Paul and Carol, welcome, and it's good to have you with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you, Neil. I want to start out by first going back to your early days as a Christian. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became a Christian? Well, for me, I was about eight years old, and I was sitting in a classroom at our church, in our Sunday school room, and all the boys had left the room, and I felt like I shouldn't leave the room. I felt like I needed to stay there. So I just sat there quietly in the room, and then the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I called you, and I appointed you to bear much fruit. And I didn't know till many years later that that was actually a verse, John wow. fifteen sixteen. But at that point, I knew that my life belonged to the Lord, and I knew and that he had a plan. Sure. So followed him, and we sat under some trees, and after he got done with his devotions, he looked at me and he said, Carol, have you ever received Christ into your heart? And I thought to myself, and I didn't remember that I had ever done that. And he asked me if I wanted to, and I said, yes. So he said, okay, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask Jesus to come into your heart. So as soon as we were going to pray and I started to close my eyes, I saw this big, huge bug start walking towards me, (laughs) and I wanted to jump up and run away. But I decided to go ahead and close my eyes because I respected my dad so much, and I knew that we were doing a good thing. So we went through the sinner's prayer, and in my mind, as a child, I was saying, God, please save me from that bug. And when I opened my eyes, the bug was gone. (laughs) And as a six-year-old child, to me, Mm -hmm. that was Jesus saved me. Not only forgave me of my sins and saved me from my sins, but he saved me from from that bug. bug. (laughs) And so that experience was such a life-changing experience to me because I learned to trust God and take him at his word that he was my Savior. So as a couple, how did, you, how did you meet? How did your lives come together? Well, Carol actually met me before I met her, so I'll let her tell her story. <laughs> okay, it was about two years before Paul and I even met. The Lord gave me a vision. Hmm. I was going through some really difficult times at that time. I was a single mom, mm-hmm. was kind of in despair, and the Lord all of a sudden showed me a vision of a man, a woodsman, no less. And he had an axe in his hand, was chopping wood. And I remember a rifle leaning against a tree, and he was in the woods. I just was so caught up in that vision, and the Lord spoke these words to me, and he said, there's your husband. I really felt like I was going to meet him immediately. And that kind of euphoric experience. It lasted for about 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. 
and then it subsided after I didn't meet him right away. I was like, okay, that was weird. That was, you know, who knows what that was. But I, I went through two years of thinking, you know, what was that all about? And then I saw Paul. Actually, I'm the one that saw him first. And uh, from a distance, I looked at him, and there was a little glimmer in his eye, and immediately I fell in love. I didn't even know what his name was. And uh, later we met. I was just so caught up with this man that I did not even know. And I hadn't remembered this vision that the Lord had Mm -hmm. given me two, two years before. As we started to get to know each other and interact with each other, eventually... We started praying together, and, you know, there's actually a little backstory to that. We started working together, doing some cleaning services. Mm. We spent long hours in the ladies' room, and that's where I think we got to know each other the most, (laughs) was just sitting on the sink or on top of a trash can talking for hours. And so we came to this place where we both recognized that the Lord had called us together, Mm. During our engagement period, he was we were getting ready for planning our wedding and stuff like that. And so he had brought some boxes over to my house that had albums. And I started looking through his albums, and lo and behold, I saw the picture of the vision of him wow. two years earlier. And I said, where were you? And he told me he was in upstate New York, northern frontier. He was a caretaker of a... Um, boys camp, lived in the woods. And almost exactly the the outfit he was wearing, his hair was kind of long. He had a big scraggly beard. (laughs) He was holding an axe in the picture. I was like, I saw you before. I saw you before. And that was the time then that the Lord brought brought back to memory that this was the man that he had chosen for me. Paul, how about you? Anything to add to the story? Well, I just say I was living in Tijuana and on ministry, and I worked with a lot of really wonderful women, mm-hmm. young ladies down there. And I struggled because I really wanted to be married, but I couldn't see myself involved in dating somebody and then getting the emotions you know, up and then crashing. I really had to stay focused on ministry itself. And so I went back and forth with the Lord on it, and I felt I was wrote in my personal devotions one morning that I was totally content to be single the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That's what God wanted me to do. That's what I was going to do. And for a whole week, I really felt content in that. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, the Lord just said, I'd be meeting the lady I'd be married within the next year. Mm-hmm. And I just said, okay, Lord, but you're going to have to bring her to me because I'm not going to do the dating yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, I left Tijuana and moved back to San Diego where Carol lived, and I met her dad. Her dad was a missions pastor of a Baptist church. And so we got to know each other, and it was through him that I got to meet Carol. You know, we had taken out a contract to clean the Montessori school that was renting, you know, space there in the church. And our goal was to hire kids who wanted to to go on short-term missions Mm -hmm. trips to do the maintenance work. Well, that didn't work out because they learned it was easier to write write letters and <laughs> than it was to actually work for the money. So her dad and I were stuck with this contract. So it was pretty much up to me to fill that contract. And he asked me, he said, you know, my daughter needs extra money. 
would you be willing to work with her? And I said, well, my only problem is, is that cleaning commercially is a lot different than cleaning yeah. at, at home. And I said, I really feel funny teaching a lady how to clean yeah. the bathroom. <laughs> I said, but if she can handle that, I'm okay with it. And so she said she could. So we started working together and, you know, fell in love in the ladies' room. Like wow. I said. <laughs> That's got to be one of the most unique testimonies, <laughs> falling in love in the ladies' room. <laughs> but it was really, you know, the Lord was speaking to me because we hardly knew each other back then. Mm. But the Lord really made it clear to me that this was the one mm -hmm. I was going to marry. So we became unofficially engaged. It was quite more of our own private engagement, you know, but we knew the direction the Lord had us to go, so... And how did your call the missions come about? Was that individually when you were younger, or did that come about some other way? Tell me about that. Well, I would say for both of us, there's the individual, mm -hmm. and then there's the couple. Because God gave me that verse, John 15, yeah. 16. I knew God had called me into ministry, and I knew early in life it was not going to be toward a pastorate. Okay. Um, I just knew it would be somewhere in ministry, and I tried real hard to get involved in ministry but you know I'm legally blind mm -hmm. and you know coupled with being young kid and legally yeah. blind nobody saw any real okay. value in me yeah. till I grew up but then I was down supposedly helping pack missionary barrels now, that really dates me yeah. I know <laughs> <laughs> you know again they were not giving me any the adults were not giving me anything to do so I was just pushing the dollies around yeah. and playing around and a gentleman by the name of Brownie Walter Brown he looked at me and he looked at one of those barrels and all the adults were having to bend over and hurt their backs putting stuff in the barrels. So he just picked me up, dumped me in a barrel and started handing me transformers. <laughs> and when I got the bar you know, barrel about a third of the way fixed, he put me in another barrel. <laughs> and to me, that was my first real experience with ministry and I was hooked. Yeah. And so I just knew that that was the direction. I didn't always like it. It's not mm -hmm. always I wanted to get rich right. like anybody else and had all these other plans, but I kept coming back to that, you know, that God had this plan for my life. Mm -hmm. So that was how God called me. Yeah. And I'll let Carol... Well, for me, I think missions was always a very natural thing yeah. because I grew up on the mission right. field. Yeah. My parents were missionaries in yeah. Mexico. There was always that pull, that tug. Yeah. Um, I struggled with it from time to time, mm -hmm. but once we got married, we knew we both were called into ministry. And then when we were living in San Diego at the time, working as lay ministers with our church, and the Lord opened up the door for us to come to Springfield okay. to take over the ministries to the blind. And um, actually, we didn't realize that he had us to, he had us to be involved. <laughs> we knew he'd yeah. us to be involved in the ministry. We didn't know that he would eventually give us the directorship yeah. of it. And, um, you know, when God just spoke to me and knew it was something I had to pursue, I believed that if God was calling me, he was going to have to call Carol, not yeah. me. I was not going to convince her. I was not going to tell her we're going. He had to call her individually. He did. And that was a confirmation, and that's when we really started pushing to come out here. Yeah. We're in Springfield, Missouri, where this is coming from, and we're at the headquarters of the Assemblies of God denomination, and that's where Paul and Carol have served much of their ministry. Tell us a little bit about the Center for uh, for the Blind. That was a fascinating ministry, and you were involved with it how many years? 25 years. 25 years. That's yes. a long time to be in one ministry. And you saw it grow from... <laughs> something small into something quite 
quite large of a reach. Is that true? Yes, we, when we first came in, the equipment was so bad and it was neglected, and I don't think anybody really cared mm -hmm. much about it or felt like anything could be done. And so when we, they asked us to take it over, you know, it was one of those things that God had to really make yeah. clear to us. <laughs> but little by little, you know, doors open, mm -hmm. and pretty soon we were getting national recognition from secular groups, mm -hmm. out, you know, well outside the Assemblies of God, who really appreciated the quality of work that we did. And then the other thing, we worked hard at producing teaching materials and so that people who were blind could actually be teaching their Sunday schools. Mm -hmm. And that was really recognized not just by the church, but by the world mm -hmm. who saw that we put value yeah. on people who are blind. So it grew. For quite a while, we were the best equipped anything for the blind here mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in Springfield mm -hmm. area, the whole southern Missouri. Nobody could compare with us as how well equipped we were with the modern equipment. Yeah. So. In the ministry, the, the fruit of the ministry, the materials, they literally went around the world, did they not? At first, we, when we first started the ministry, they went around the world. As different things came up, we had to drop the world's okay. mission. Well, we still did some, yeah. but we had to yeah. drop it for practical okay. reasons. Okay. So what were some of the highlights of ministry that you, when you think back over your career that really stand out? I think I've had a lot of fun positions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, right after college, we're... That picture was taken back in the hippie days, back yeah. to nature and all that. And I lived back in the woods. I mean, yeah. it was where I lived. And I was hiking, fishing, running equipment. It was really, it just really fit me at the time. Yeah. That was good and very hard to leave. I worked with people with disabilities, and especially for children, in uh, lower New York, just north of New York City. And I did a lot of inner city work with families. It was hard. It was scary. There are many... You know, Harlem, you know, some of the worst parts of Brooklyn, but it was very fulfilling. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember one time I was just thinking this morning that there was a little girl who had gotten surgeries and she had, was in a striker table oh, yeah. where they lay you flat yeah. and then they flip the table over. And I remember sitting there on the, laying on the floor underneath her playing cards. Yeah. <laughs> there are moments like that that are highlights. But I think coming to Springfield, God made it so clear. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to, and we accomplished so much. And for me, one of the greatest joys I have is not doing something for myself, but being able to help another person be successful. Yeah. And we've had so many people, both in the office and then blind folks from all over the country, who learned skills, learned to teach, mm -hmm. found out they could do things they never thought they could do. Wow. That, to me, is just a real joy. And then when we retired from there, coming over to Compassion Link, it's like a whole different yeah. ball game, and yet it seemed the yeah. Lord pre prep prepared us for it. So, Paul, what do you do now with Compassion Link? Well, you know, Compassion Link's a, a great ministry, mm -hmm. a very practical, hands-on ministry. We are working with the disability department to develop ministries to the blind that can be applied to countries all around the world. Mm -hmm. There's so many people who are blind who have nothing and churches don't know what to do here in the States, right. we have that issue. Right. We are also working with the optical department. Mm -hmm. There's approximately, the, according to World Health Organization, there's approximately one billion people in the world who would have their lives significantly altered by just a pair of glasses. Wow. So we one are billion. collecting donated glasses, and we are cataloging them, and we are looking for the day when the world opens up again and yeah. we can start sending over teams 
to fit people with glasses. And we'll be doing a video training, the first one, in just about a week or so, if I remember right. Is that yes. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. Did you ever want to give up? Yes yeah. and no. And what kept you going? <laughs> I mean, well, I think it's the commitment yeah. to the call of God on our lives. You know, yes, there were many times that we thought, are we still doing what you want us to do? Yeah. And... Um, Sometimes it would be uh, quickly. Sometimes it would take a while. But the Lord always confirmed and always provided the answer. We're, we're not quitters. Yeah. So to give up was out of the question. Yeah. But it was to wait and find out whether God was moving us on or keeping us where we're at because yeah. he was refining us for yeah. some reason. So. Yeah. You know, Carol answered that a yes and a no, and I'd like to answer that as no and a yes. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving ministry never really ever felt that was a, something to be considered mm -hmm. because of my call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and Carol, I would say the same thing. You know, we, we knew we were destined for ministry, but on a micro level, mm -hmm. I think there's been a number of times when we thought, not really ready to quit and walk out, but if we came, to, we came to the point of saying, God, have we reached our limit? Yeah, yeah. And is it time to move on? on? Every time we were at that point, the Lord either confirmed that, that it was time to move on or confirmed that we need to stay no matter how hard things were or how impossible things seemed to be. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter how hard things, you know, what the challenges were, we had to stick it out, mm -hmm. and we did. Mm -hmm. And joyfully, painfully, but joyfully. yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I want to segue from that, asking you if there was a tip to offer someone that was considering missions or getting started in missions as a missionary. Do you have anything you would say or share with them? I'll just say real quickly what has carried me throughout um, my entire time of serving the Lord has been um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 where it says, trust in the Lord mm -hmm. with all your heart yeah. and lean yeah. not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Mm -hmm. And over and over and over again, that has been um, what I've had to do, yeah. is forget what I think I know, but just acknowledge <laughs> the Lord in this process and he'll either open doors or close doors. Mm -hmm. He will direct our path. I say for me, you know, ministry... Ministry is going to have its challenges, and sometimes things are going to be really tough. Other times you just feel like the wind is filling your sail, and, and just you're moving on, you know, just like you can't do anything wrong. God just keeps blessing and opening up the doors. But through it all, um, no matter what the situation, you really need to be true to His calling. And... You know, the call to know Christ, but also, you know, the the call to the ministry God's called you to. Mm -hmm. But more than that is the call to his character mm -hmm. and the blessing and the faith that he he um, expects of us. Second Peter 1, I think, really says it best. And I'm just going to read one verse from that. Verse 10 says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for as long as you... Practice these things, you will never stumble. Mm -hmm. And it's just so imperative to be walking with the Lord, yeah. to that call to walk with the Lord. And that's not just the ministry that he's called you to, but the life yes. 
that yeah. you committed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've learned from experience when things are tough, you can start to doubt. And when things are going good, you can neglect yeah. the Lord. Lose track. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, any final thoughts you want to share? Well, I'd say ministry can be hard, but very rewarding. Very yeah. rewarding. Very rewarding. I feel this is a hallowed time just to be able to hear your hearts and to see how God has used your lives. And I'm humbled to be in your presence. And I, I thank you thank for you, taking Neil. the time this afternoon and doing this. Well, thank you, Neil. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, that's our podcast for today on Unsung Missionary Heroes, Interviews with Heroes of the Faith. My name is Neil Ruda. This podcast has been brought to you by the nine international ministries of Assemblies of God World Missions. They are Builders International, Compassion Link, Global Initiative, Global University, Jacob's Hope, Life Publishers, Network 211, Oral Learners Initiative, and Royal Rangers International. You can check all of them out at im-agwm.org. Thanks again for joining us, and come back again and listen to our next podcast. Oh,